Good morning. We are glad to have you in the house of the Lord today. And trust me, it is good to be back. It's good to be back in church. It's good to be back in America. It's good to be back to McDonald's and, and Mackey's Pizza. Yeah, it's good to be back. And I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for the guys who filled the pulpit while I was gone. And uh, heard good reports from both of those. And I am grateful. You know, I so appreciate it. Uh, Dave's service on the stage, particularly, um, you know, over the 16 years. But I was grateful this morning when I got ready to preach. I knew you were ready to listen because this team did their job. Are you grateful for our worship team today? I know I am. Amen. God bless you guys. It's awesome. Well, we kind of took a two-week break from our series, Biblical Mindset Training. And so we're going to jump back in. You remember we started out and we talked about making a commitment to Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. Then we talked about the enemy. And then we talked about um, the belt of truth. And we talked about relative truth. And relative truth means what's true for me may not be true for you and vice versa. You know, truth is totally fluid. And then we have absolute truth, which is the word of God. And it never changes, okay? So we talked about that. Then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And we talked about two kinds of righteousness. We talked about self-righteousness, which, hey, God, I don't need you because I'm good enough. And then we had this imputed, given righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is the one that takes us to heaven. Then we talked about our, having our, our feet shot, sandaled with the gospel of readiness. Talking about being ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and be ready Whatever comes next. Whatever comes next. And today, then we're going to pick up that shield of faith, and we're going to talk about faith, facts, and follies. Faith, facts, and follies. Here's what I've discovered. You know, I think probably in Western culture particularly, we have a tendency um, to mishandle prayer. Um, We almost turn prayer into a magic a wish list that we just ask God for whatever we want, and he's like the, the genie in the jar, and we rub him just right, and he produces whatever we want. It seems we mishandle prayer sometimes, and I am certain in the same way we mishandle faith. We mishandle faith. You know, we, we see on the television often, um, we see, send me $10, and I'll send, and God will give you back $20. Um, you know, just send and get the prayer cloth and pray over that. And, and Well, you know what I'm talking about. It just seems like it's so crazy. One of the stories that breaks my heart, as I thought about this this morning, it breaks my heart even today. I had a friend whose name was Steve, and um, Steve was a, a young pastor. He wasn't young in a sense because he's my age. He wasn't young, but he's a rookie pastor. And uh, he went to serve at a church, um, and, and sometimes, you know, church people can be unkind. And this was one of those times when there was a really unkind church member. Um, Steve had a grandchild, I think it was a daughter, had a granddaughter, and um, the child was born blind. And um, they were praying for God to do something big, and, and it didn't happen. And, and so a, a church member came up to, to young Steve, young rookie pastor Steve, and here's what he said. He said, you know, Steve, if you had had more faith, your daughter would not have been born blind. Isn't that a stab in the heart? But that's what we do sometimes. We say, you know, when something happens in our life that we can't explain, when God does something we just can't explain, when God does something we don't like, like then we just sort of excuse it by saying, well, you know, if you'd had more faith, this would have happened. We have a hard time realizing that God just might do something that we don't understand and don't like. And yet we know that's true because we see it in the Bible. Read the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, and look at all the things that happened there to those people 
So often with faith, you know, we try to excuse God away. We don't need to because he is God. So we need to deal with faith facts, and mostly we need to deal also with faith follies. Um, You know, one of the popular follies of faith um, is this saying right here. Faith isn't believing that God can. Faith is knowing that God will. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound nice? It really does. Um, and, and first of all, I don't really agree with the first statement. You know, faith is believing that God can. It's not, isn't it? Faith is believing. And, and, I, and, and if the last statement said, faith is believing that God will, I don't have a problem with that. In fact, we, we should believe that God will. But what bothers me is that word knowing. It's, it's pre and presumptuous upon God that if I have enough faith, no matter what God's will might be, he's going to do it. I know he's going to do it. Well, sometimes we don't know that, do we? We really don't know what God is going to do. We tend, with statements like this, we tend to paint God into a corner. We say, okay, God, here's the deal. I'm a child of yours, and I've got faith, so I want you to do what I want you to do. One problem with that is just not biblical. It's not biblical. It's just simply one of the follies that we see um, in life. You know, faith and fear are opposites. We, if, if anything came out of COVID, it was this. It was this. You know, we are a people of faith. But COVID was a season of fear. We were a people of faith, but COVID was a season of fear. In fact, excuse me, and I don't want to offend anybody, but it almost seems like the the media and the government, and well, everyone, it seemed like on the cultural side, was using fear to, to drive people. It seemed crazy. And so it was difficult for people of faith because fear was being thrown in our face everywhere we went. So faith and fear are opposites. And these opposites don't attract one another. You know, I've heard it said that often in marriage that two people will be opposites, but somehow they attract, it works somehow. Not true with faith and fear. Um, I know two magnets, if you put two exactly like two pluses and two negatives, they repel one another. But if you put a negative and a positive opposites, they attract. They attract. Not so with faith and fear. In fact, in fact, one cannot exist with the other. We have got to rediscover, we've got to re-understand that to be people of faith does not give space for fear in our lives. I know it's going to creep in, but we got to recognize as soon as it comes and understand that we are a people of faith. I don't usually like coffee cup theology. I don't usually enamor too much to cute sayings, um, but these are two good ones. These are two good ones. These, these you need to put down in your notes. Um, these you need to, if you've got the app open, put in your notes there. Or maybe write down on a piece of paper. You know, faith means, of course, these are not original to me. Faith means forsaking all I trust him. I like that. Because that really is what faith is. You know, faith says, no matter what the circumstances are, I'm going to trust God. No matter how much circumstance are screaming in my ear, he's not able, he doesn't care, I'm going to trust him. Forsaken all, I trust him. And then I like the one about fear too. You know, fear means false evidence appearing real. False Do you understand, you know, about 90% of what we fear never comes true? 
And yet we, we again, fear likes to creep in and, and it gives this evidence, this false evidence, and it appears so rock solid and so true. So we need to address this today. We need to spend some time in God's word addressing the facts and the follies um, of faith. Well, our friend Paul, the apostle, you know, spent some time in Ephesians chapter 6. And we've already talked about the pieces of the armor. And then today, in verse number 16, um, he says, you know, I love, matter of fact, this is so powerful. You ever have those aha moments? I, I told him at first service, I wrote this sermon like three weeks ago. And I picked it up to study it this week and went, did I write this? I don't remember this, you know. But anyway, so I, I don't remember this being so strong. In every situation, oh, underline that in your Bible. Write that in your notes. In every situation, Paul says, so whatever comes our way, no matter what circumstance, no matter how crazy life gets, no matter how it just doesn't seem to work out, in every situation, take up the shield of faith. Hey, hey, believers, hey, believers, faith is that important in your life. Faith is that important in your life. Take up that shield of faith. And here's why. With that, with the shield of faith, so let's drop the Roman analogy. With faith, with faith, you can extinguish some of the flaming arrows. A majority of the flaming arrows. Six out of ten flaming arrows. No, 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 no. No, it says with the shield of faith, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. No matter, listen, listen, listen. No matter what Satan throws your way, no matter what Satan throws your way, when you as a Christ follower and Christ believer have the faith in God that he calls us and wants us to have, we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the... Isn't that awesome? No matter what. When, When the doctor says terminal... Breast cancer. I was, I was shocked when Olivia Newton-John died at age 73. Breast cancer. When these, when these words come, when these words come and the fear creeps in, we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. How, how powerful is that? So we're going to ask some questions and, and take some steps toward defining what faith is. So, so the first one is, what is faith? What is faith? Well, the Bible gives us a good definition. If you haven't read Hebrews 11 in a while, take some time this week and go through it because it really is fascinating reading. It's called the faith chapter, and you'll see why. But, but here's the first verse in Hebrews 11. Um, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. So, so faith comes along, okay, and, and, and you're going to hear it over and over again. What we hope for is not, I hope I win the lottery. I, I hope I marry a cute guy. Um, I hope I get a new job. I hope this sermon doesn't go too long. Okay, that's not that. You know, that hope is a hope in God. It's like, like Titus, I think it's 2.13, says, you know, looking for the blessed hope. And that hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so so faith comes along. Faith shows the reality. See, you know, faith changes hope so maybe to rock solid. Faith faith change, you know, changes. I hope God is faithful. I hope God will to rock solid. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence. It's the foundation of things we cannot see. 
So, so we work then in this realm of faith, and God brings it. You know, I think about the, the song, Standing on the Promises. Faith is the victory. So many of the old hymns taught us this. That song we sang in Christ alone, it was a song of faith. You know, you know till, till he returns, or my last breath, Christ is my hope. Christ, that is, that is a pure exercise of faith. So, so we have this, we have this, and that's where we are to live. Okay, so, so our teaching point says this, and this is good, this is good. Faith starts with believing in God's character. Now you listen, look, look, look. as a Jesus person, okay, you've got to nail down the character of God. You know, I, I wish I could tell you I did a really good job trip all the time, and I didn't. I had some really difficult moments on this, on this mission trip. I just struggled emotionally. Um, I was tired sometimes, but sometimes I, would, I just didn't do well. And, and I, was, you know, I was sitting there going, and of all of this, I knew this, that God was not going to wake up that morning and say, Dwayne, I just can't use you anymore. I, I wish I could tell you how many, I wish I, when I, when I picked this sermon up and started studying it, and I don't know if it's because it's been a couple of weeks since I studied or what, but I, I almost had a fear. I, God, can I preach? Can I do this, God? And, and I realized, I understood that God was not, listen, for my failures, God was not going to kick me aside like a pile of rubbish. He was not going to say, sorry, dude, I can't use you. Oh, oh, I, I must have been thinking wrong that day. You're not welcome in the family anymore. He never would do that. Why? It's the nature of God. God so loved the, woo, God so loved the world they gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life. How can God do that? It's God's character. How can he say, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the nature and character of God. You've got to reach a point in your faith life when you are anchored in God's character. That way, when circumstances go awry and go wrong, you're not tempted to walk away. Because you say, no matter, no matter what circumstances say, no matter what the world says, no matter what the culture says, no matter what your wife says or your husband says, no matter what your parents say, we rest on God's character. God's character. That, that He is who He says He is. That He is who He says He is. No matter what else shouts, whatever sign the world holds up, He is who He is. Man, listen to Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that He might lie, or a son of man that He might change His mind. Can I read that again? God is not a man that He might lie, or a son of man that He might change His mind. Does He speak and not act? No. Does He make a promise and not fulfill it? And the answer is no. No. And that's where we've got to anchor our faith. That's where we've got to anchor what we believe and know um, about God. Now, it goes on and says this. Faith culminates. That's faith starts with His character. I love this. Faith culminates with believing in God's promises. Now, now you've got to be careful with that. Because the Bible is full of promises but some of them just aren't yours. 
You know, when, when God said to Abraham, oh, Abraham, you're going to have like a zillion, you know, you know relatives. And in fact, you can't count them. It's like the stars of the sky. You can't claim that promise because it belonged to Abraham. But there's a bulk. There's just a, a bulk of promises that are ours to claim in the word of God. So faith culminates with believing in God's promises. If God's promises, he will do it. That's what it says. That he will do what he says he will do. So when God makes a promise, he keeps it. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. Um, this morning, so late that I couldn't get on the note sheet, um, I, I remember this verse. It's Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Now write that reference down. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Listen to this. I'll read it good and slow. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms. So it's the time to get ready for the harvest because we need fruit on the trees. You go out to the fruit trees, the fig trees, and there's not a blossom in sight. I've already looked at my dogwood tree. You know why? It's time for the buds to set. I look now to see if there's going to be a beautiful spring. Oh, by the way, there was. Even though the fig trees have no buds and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty? Woo, that sounds like despair. No figs, no olives, no cattle, no grapes. Oh my, here's what the author says. Yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. That's where we need to get to. Because life is hard, and life is difficult, and life throws us curves and and circumstances that we don't like and can't deal with. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. How powerful, how powerful is that? So what is faith? It's, It's believing when we can't see, okay? But then we have this question. How essential is faith? How essential to our being? You know, I, I said earlier in, in the first service, I said, this is such an important message because faith is so important. Now, let me give you the background before we use the verse. In Hebrews chapter 11, in verse number 5, it talks about a guy named Enoch. And Enoch was important or Enoch was special. Enoch was singled out uh, for a very special reason, okay? And you may know what it is. Okay, there are two men in the Old Testament that didn't die. One was Elijah, who went up to heaven in a whirlwind, and one was this guy, Enoch. And here's what it says. You know, by faith, you know, Enoch did not see death. Simply put, he was not because God took him. He was not because God took him. But here's the cool part, and this sets up verse 6. Before God took him, He had this testimony that he pleased God, that he pleased God. And that sets up verse 6. It calls us the author of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Here's what he writes. Now listen. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. You you want to know why you, you need to have faith? Because without it, it's impossible to please God. When you came to God for salvation, you couldn't bring anything. You had nothing. Man, you were empty-handed. Your plate was empty. 
And we came and God said this, hey, if you'll believe, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. And so, so, so that's how that worked. That's how, that's how it happened. And that's, why, that's how it needs to happen. That's why it should happen. We need to be a people of faith. So, so here was Enoch. He, he, he was not translated. He pleased God. And now without faith, it's impossible to please God. Since the one, the one who draws near to God. If, if you want to come to God today and be part of the family, it's by faith. If you want to come to your dearest father, or your dearest daddy in heaven, you got a request, you got to come by faith. And one day when, when the time comes and we draw our last breath or Jesus comes back, we're going to come by faith. We're going to come by faith. So he says, you know, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and God rewards. Everything we do is by faith. See, see, faith, God operates in the world of faith. He does a world operate in sight. He operates in faith. Now, God operates in the economy of faith. The currency of God's world is faith. We, we, we work. We work um, and by faith. We live by faith. We're saved by faith. And ultimately, we're going to heaven by faith. So, the question comes in. Where does faith come from? Where does faith come from? Well, ultimately, of course, it comes from God. There's a, there's a verse that we all know that has a nugget tucked in the middle. It's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved... Through faith, and that not of yourselves. And he goes on and says, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, now there's a dual meaning there. You could say he's talking about salvation, but there's a whole chunk of people that are smarter than me that firmly believe it definitely includes the faith. In other words, the faith to trust Jesus is not our faith. It's a gift that God gives us. He gives us the faith. Some people, and and rightfully so, that repentance, you know, the the ability to repent is a gift from God. But but this faith is apparently a gift from God. So ultimately, it's a gift from Him. But look what Romans 10, 17 says. So then, Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, so Paul would tell you, okay, so faith comes by hearing, but not just any hearing. It's not like you're listening to the radio. It's not like you're listening to a good message. It, it's not like you're out in the world and listening to the birds singing and, you know, and the, the river flowing. No, no, no. So faith comes by hearing, but this hearing is the Word of God. Other words, other words, the Bible, okay, is a source of faith for us. Okay, let's look at our next teaching point, all right? In our teaching point, you know, it says the wellspring of faith, the, the source of faith is the word of God, okay? Now, this, this is important. If that is true, if that is true, how can we have great faith if we don't have a great time in the word of God? What if, what if, what if our dose of, of the word of God is this? You know, you listen to a guy standing here, whether it be me, David, whoever it might be, and we talk for 35 or 40 minutes, and we share with you, and yeah, okay. You know, what if that's your only dose of the Word of God for the whole week? How great can your faith be? 
Guys, we have got to be, you know, we have got to be scholars of the Word of God. We have got to get into the Word of God. We have got to be like the old cow who chews it and then burps it back up and chews it again. We've got to meditate on the Word of God. We've got to understand the Word of God. We've got to learn the Word of God. We've got to apply the Word of God. Amen. That's how important it is. The wellspring of faith is the Word of God. Then, then with that foreground, when we believe that God will fulfill His promises... Even though we don't see any evidence, we demonstrate true faith. That is when, once we get into the Word of God and and, and our faith is growing, that's when we say, look, God, look, God, I don't understand. I don't understand why my child is sick. I don't understand my marriage is in trouble. I don't understand why the economy is the way it is. I don't understand why America is the way it is. God, I don't understand that. But I'm going to trust you anyway. I'm going to trust you you anyway. We demonstrate true faith. When we receive the word and believe the word, then faith grows and flourishes in our lives. And that's, that's what we want to happen. Now, why is it so important? Because it's how we live. Okay? Look at, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith. Now, y'all know, probably in the Bible, you know that, that walking ain't talking about walking. It's talking about living. Okay? So, so we could take that word and say, For we live by faith and not by sight. Now, this is so different. You know, see, see the world says, If I can't see it, I don't believe it. But believers in Jesus say, Whether I see it or not, I believe. I believe. We, we, we walk by faith. It's how we do life. It's how we do life. Now, again, imagine, what if we are not a people of faith? What if, what if we don't spend time in the Word? You know, what if our faith is weak? We're going to walk weak. So it's so important we buy into this. It's so important we understand we have got to be this, this people um, of faith. Now, there's a verse that, at first you're going to go, this doesn't even fit in, Dwayne, but I just couldn't resist it. I just couldn't resist it. And then you'll see at the end it does fit in. It's 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. You know, for this is what love for God is. Oh, that's important to know. This is what love, and this is John writing, this is what love for God is to keep his commands. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's big regardless. I don't care if it has to do with faith or not. That is huge. I know so many people say, oh, I love God, I love God. And we go out and like, do the opposite of what he wants us to do. No, no, no. John says, no, this is what love is. you got to keep his commandments. Okay? Hang on, though. Hang on. And his commandments are not a burden. Whoa, that's good news. See, see, his commandments are the book. And this book is not a burden. This is not bondage. It is liberty. Somebody say amen. Amen. This book is not bondage. It is liberty. Man, you'll have so many fewer consequences. You'll have so many few regrets as we follow the Word of God. That's what's so cool you know, about the Bible is that if we follow it and live it, it makes our life better. It just makes it better. You know, I don't know. I, just, I don't run too many people. You know, they got this terrible hangover. and They say, I just can't wait to get drunk again so I can feel this bad again. I mean, you know, you know, the Word of God protects us, protects us. So it's not a burden. And here's where it gets down to about faith. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. We have victory 
over the world. So if we've been born again, you know, Jesus said, hey, 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 in this world you're going to have tribulation, but don't worry because I have overcome the world. Good news. But now he goes, you know, the word of God goes a step further and says, wait, wait, wait. Everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. So, so we, <laughs> we follow our conqueror. We follow. Jesus is the conqueror, and we follow him, and we become conquerors. Well, Dwayne, how does that happen? Well, this is the victory that has conquered the world. What is it? Our faith. Our faith. Not our programs. Not our program, not our buildings. Uh, not how we come to church. No, 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 not even how big our checks are. What, what conquers the world? Our faith. Amen. Our faith. It's huge. Guys, this is, this is big. This is big. This might be like an aha moment for someone sitting in this room or maybe watching on Facebook or listening on the radio. What an opportunity. So, now, with all that background, I thought it would be cool to see how this kind of plays out in action in a story from the Word of God. Now, one of the most famous stories in the New Testament is when one day Jesus looks to Peter, James, and John and says, Hey, Peter, James, and John, I want you to go up on the mountain with me. Now, you other nine, you stay down here and and mind the farm, okay? But me, Peter, James, and John, we're going to go up on the mountain. So they go up on this mountain, and when they get there, something magnificent happens. Okay, Jesus, Jesus is transformed into his glorified state. I mean, he's just one radiant glob of light. I mean, it's magnificent. And then who shows up but Moses and Elijah? And they're in their glorified state. And, and Peter, James, and John are doing this. I mean, they're just like, wow, they couldn't believe it. In fact, Peter didn't know what to say. Okay, he says, hey, we think we all built some tents for you guys. That's what he said. And the Bible says he didn't know what to say, so he said that. Well, in a few minutes, it was over. But before it's over, this voice booms from heaven. It's the voice of God. So, wow. Here we got God. Here we got Jesus glorified. We got Moses and Elijah in their glorified state. And then God talks. Can we say amen? And he says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Wow. And then, poof, it's over. So it's time to go back down. You know, one thing about mountaintops, you got to go down. So they head down the mountain, and just like Moses and Aaron, remember Moses and Aaron were coming down after they got Ten Commandments, and they heard what they called the sound of war in the camp? Well, as they get lower and lower down the mountain, they're hearing something, okay? And it sounds like a fuss. It must have been the local Baptist church. I don't know. I don't know, but it could have been. But, but anyway, so, so they get down there, okay, and there's this ruckus going on. Okay, we've got, we've got the, the, the nine disciples, and they're engaged in a fuss with the scribes. The scribes are attacking them, and they're attacking the scribes. There's a crowd of people watching. Would you write that down? There's a crowd of people watching the church, too. Okay, so this crowd of people are watching, and over here is this bewildered guy, and it turns out he's a father, okay, and he's a father of a young kid that's been demon-possessed. So here's that hybrid of chaos. Okay, it's all going on. So Jesus walks up, and when Jesus shows up, the crowd looks and it's Jesus. All of a sudden, people flock to him. Okay, you know what Jesus said? Yeah, he said, What is all this arguing about? 
You, you ever think, you think if Jesus would show up in so many churches and their business meeting and go, what is all this arguing about? You, you, think, you think during, during the political mess, you think, you know, Jesus would go, what's all the arguing about? You think during COVID, Jesus would go, what's all the arguing about? I think he would. I think he would. So, so he says, what is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. Well, the father of the boy, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, well, teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. That is such great faith. He had heard that Jesus could do anything, so he goes where Jesus was supposed to be, brings his boy with him, and I brought him so you could heal him. Doesn't say it, but bottom line, he wasn't there, okay? Um, He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. In fact, it was worse than that. Um, He would grow rigid. Um, He he had foamed at the mouth. Um, You know, he just couldn't, it was just bad. It was just bad. Just, this was an evil spirit, an evil spirit. So, so Jesus said, I'm sorry, the, the Father says in verse 18b, he says, So I asked your disciples, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. But what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Now that's going to be so, so significant. The, the father came looking for Jesus. He wasn't there. So he found the disciples of Jesus, who, by the way, had been commissioned to cast out demons, had been empowered to cast out demons, and in fact had cast out demons. And when the daddy shows up, they can't do it. They, and we're going to find out why. How about that? They could not do it. And then Jesus in verse 19, I, I, he sounds exasperated, highly irritated. I wrestled with telling you that today, but I checked it out, and that's exactly true. I mean, he was really irritated. And, and what's funny, what he was irritated about was unbelief. He, he, said, he said, you faithless people. Now, who is he talking to? Was he talking to the scribes? Absolutely he was. Was he talking to the crowd? Yeah, because Israel had been a people of unbelief. Was he talking to the daddy? Yeah, maybe. No, it was. Was he talking to the disciples? He sure was. Because you and I both know the disciples wrestled with belief and unbelief. You faithless people, how long must I be with you? And it seems he's saying there, okay, I've been walking on the earth now for, what, 18, 20, 24 months. How long do I have to keep walking with you before you get this belief thing? It's a fair question. It's a fair question. How long must I put up with you? When are you going to, Jesus is saying, when are you going to get this faith thing? I wonder if he would ask us that. Hey, church in America. Hey, Western culture. When are you going to get this? When are you going to get this? And then he said, bring the boy to me. Now, when he did that, when he brought the boy to him, I mean, the demon just opened it up. I mean, the attack was so bad, he went limp, okay, after Jesus told the demon to leave. He went limp, okay, and people thought he was dead. That's how bad um, the attack was. How long has it been happening as the attack was going on? Uh, Jesus asked the father. He said, since he was a little boy, since he was a little boy... And the spirit often throws him in the fire and into water trying to kill him. That shouldn't surprise us. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
He doesn't care if it's a baby boy or not. He's out in the business to still kill and destroy. So you can imagine his father had to watch this little boy all the time because he never knew when the spirit was going to try to throw him in the fire and someone had to be there to pull him out. This, this father would have to make sure that when he was thrown into the water, he could somehow rescue his son. What a difficult and hard life. So there they stand, and the father says, Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Help us. Who's the us? It's a daddy who dearly loves his little boy. This little boy is probably no older than seven, eight, six. Help us have mercy on us. And look what he says. If you can. Now, the same guy who brought the boy to Jesus because he heard Jesus could do something, I mean, exercise faith in that way. Now, all of a sudden, we see the same daddy going, if you can. Where did he get that from? The father, this is really important. Are you listening? The father ascribed the failure of the disciples to Jesus. He figured if the disciples couldn't, then the teacher couldn't. Now look at me. This happens in the world. The world looks at the ability of the church to make a difference and assumes God can't make a difference either. Amen Amen or oh me, I'm not sure which one, but with all my heart I believe that. The world's looking at the church today and they don't see power. They don't see power. And they figure if the church doesn't have power, if the church can't make a difference, then neither can the God that they serve. But Jesus answers with authority. He says, what do you mean? What do you mean? If I can. If. I can. Jesus says, anything is possible if a person believes. Anything is possible if I can. Don't, don't, don't throw me into the faithless crowd over here, even though they're my disciples. Don't put me in that group because I'm telling you, anything is possible when a person believes. And man, I love, if there's, this is a great prayer for us to pray in the 20th century today. The, the, the father said, I do believe. And you know what? He did. I mean, he did. His faith got tainted by, by the disciples and by that mess, that, that chaos that was going on. It got tainted. But the bottom line is he believed, Joe. He believed. But then he so wisely prayed, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Would you write that down? Next time you're in a struggle and you, and you just don't know what to do and it's, you're not sure what God wants to do. And God, I want you to know something. This isn't about me believing in you. I believe in you, but I need for you to help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. Well, for time's sake, whoops, I'm in the red. <laughs> whoops. <laughs> Oops. Okay. So anyway, well, you know, I've been gone for two weeks. Yeah. So, so anyway, so, so yeah, here we are in this chaotic mess. Okay, and, and Jesus finally cast out the demon. And the boy, again, they thought he was dead. Jesus picks him up, okay? And so we got the, the boy healed, 
We got the father incredibly grateful and happy. Um, we got the crowd. They are totally in awe. Wow, we can't believe this. Um, and the scribes, they're kind of like putting their tail between their legs and wandering off. And then there's disciples. And they're looking and going, hmm. So he cast the demon out, and the little boy's well. Why couldn't we do that? We all ask ourselves that question. Why couldn't we do that? Well, they did ask the question. Now, I like the Matthew part, and, and we'll get the Mark part too. We'll throw that in. But in Matthew 17, 19, and 20, um, Matthew's account of this, the disciples um, came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And we ought to ask ourselves this question. Hey, God, why is the church not making a bigger difference in culture? God, why is Dorisville not making a bigger impact in our community? Hey, hey, God, why am I not making a bigger impact on the job? Whatever that might be. Um, why am I not making an impact with my friends at school? Why? And Jesus said this. He said to them, because of your little faith. Now, Mark says, because... Jesus said, well, this only happens with a lot of prayer. And you know, it's funny. The, 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 lady, the translation says, a lot of them leave it out, but it, it really said prayer and fasting. But fasting was added later. I'm, we Baptists are so grateful for that. We only fast between breakfast and lunch and lunch and supper. That's our that's limit of our fasting. Okay? But, but anyway, yeah. So, so, so Matthew said, though, okay, because, or Jesus said in Matthew, because of your little faith. Now, here's a... I, I think this is a really great teaching. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Wow. If you have faith like a mustard seed. I like that word like in there. In fact, I chose this translation because the way the authors put that in there, translators put that in there. Faith like a mustard seed. You know, here's the deal. A mustard seed. Where, Trey, are you in here, Laney? Are they outside in the foyer? They say, yeah. Dude, how many, how many seeds did it take? Where's Laney? Laney, how many? 3,500 seeds to make a fourth of a cup? 30,000 to make... A fourth of a cup. Okay, so 30,000 mustard seeds to make a fourth of a cup of mustard. That's how small it was. Okay, now here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's that little tiny itty-bitty mustard seed. Okay, and you put that itty-bitty tiny mustard seed in the ground, and you water it, and it grows into a tree or bush that is 10 feet tall. Okay, so how does that itty-bitty tiny mustard seed grow into a tree that's 10 feet tall? And the answer is DNA. The answer is the nature of the seed. If you just said, hey, little mustard seed, I want you to grow up and be an oak tree. He could believe all he wanted to. He could have all the faith he wanted to, but he'll never be an oak tree. Hey, Little mustard seed, could you become a strawberry bush? We like strawberries. No, because you see it's not in the DNA. You know, I think what Jesus is saying here, when he chose the mustard seed idea, he's choosing the idea, it's not really the amount of faith, it's the nature of the faith. 
And the nature of the faith has to be within the will of God. Amen. That faith has to be in the nature of the will of God. In other words, you know, God, God made that little mustard seed, and he made that mustard seed to do one thing, and that was become a mustard plant. And the DNA is in there. It happens. And when we believe within the will of God, listen, mountains do move. There is nothing, when we have faith in God and we have faith in the will of God, there's nothing God can't do. Amen. I know you guys and me too are so frustrated with our culture in America. God can change that. And by the way, is God's will. He's just looking for a bunch of mustard seed with the nature of a mustard seed to get in the ground and grow and change this culture. Amen. That's what he's waiting on. That's what he's waiting on. And it's all within us and God. See why faith is so important? You want to make an impact in your family. Be a man or woman. Be a mom and daddy of faith. Teach your children to be mama and daddies, children of faith. Teach that. You want to make a difference at the school, students? Be a mustard seed. Be, be a person of faith within the will of God. And amazing things happen. It isn't the size of the seed that matters, but the nature that is contained inside the seed. And... The God who commands it to grow. The God who commands it to grow. Will we be people of faith? Will we be people of faith? See, that's what I love about this series. Some we don't talk about too often. Oh, we talk about being people of faith, but what does that mean? And we heard today, we heard follies of faith. We heard facts of faith. Now, will we take what we've heard and apply it to our lives? This morning, the altar is going to be open. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And uh, one, if you're here today, and perhaps you've never invited Christ, believed in Christ to make a difference in forgiveness of your sin, you've never bought into the God's soul of the world thing, and he did, and God demonstrated his, his, you know, his love for us thing, and Brent and I can explain that to you, and we'd be glad to do that today. It's not about religion. It is not. It is about God. It's about faith in God. It's about believing. You remember when a guy named Abraham in the Old Testament, <laughs> the Bible says, Abraham believed God, and God counted as righteous. And if you will believe God today, he'll count it towards you as righteousness. And then all the rest of us, there's only two kinds of people, people who have and haven't yet. But for those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus, are you ready to be a person of faith? Are you ready? Mm, mm, mm. Are you ready to reclaim your legacy as a child of God? There's but one way, and it's the way of faith. The way of faith. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you, man. It's a privilege today to be back in the pulpit. It's a privilege to teach. But, Father, we need to grasp hold of this. We need to once again claim your character. We need once again to stand on your promises. Lord, we believe but we also need for you to help our unbelief. For my friend who might be here on Facebook, we pray for them today to discover the joy of the forgiveness of sins, the hope of salvation. And Father, for all my brothers and sisters here, help us as we continue to walk from this day forward to be a people of faith. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.